it's because email is so successful that when we want to make money or we want to boost revenue, you know, it's like send email because we know that that works, but it doesn't work all the time to everybody. And I know that there's always a discussion about whether you should remove people entirely from your database. And I think that changes from organization to organization, or maybe you should just mail them less frequently. So... You're listening to Real Marketing Real Fast, the only podcast that brings you unfiltered, undaunted, insider information on the latest tools and technologies for online marketers. Prepare to dive deep into marketing myths, breakthrough models, and cutting-edge strategies that will have an immediate impact on the growth of your business. And now, here's your host, marketing expert, Doug Morneau. Well, welcome back, listeners, to another episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Today, we're going to talk about email deliverability, and my guest is Alice Cornell. She is the director of email deliverability at a company or organization that most of you have likely heard of, Change.org. After 18 years working in the digital space for many large corporations, such as ReturnPath and Cheetah Mail and a number of other email service providers, she now works for the world's biggest platform for social change. And they use email to enable 300 million users across the world to make the change that they want to see. I think you'll enjoy the dialogue, her simple advice on how you and I can uh, take a look at what we're currently doing in email, make some changes and see improvement in our engagement and our deliverability. So I'd like you to join me and welcome Alice to the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. Well, hey, Alice, I'm super excited to have you on the Real Marketing Real Fast podcast today. So welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I was really excited uh, and looking forward to the interview as I was looking at your background and your experience in the space uh, where many people struggle and often people don't realize they struggle and that's getting their email to the inbox. Do you want to share with our listeners just a little bit of backstory as you discussed that uh, you, you you work from the ESP side and now you switch to the brand side and kind of what that looks like? Sure, it's been an interesting transition from the ESP side through Return Path to actually working directly for a brand. It makes me want to contact all my past customers and apologize to them because sometimes we don't realize how making a business case for deliverability can be really difficult. And now I understand that that can be a tough call. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So with the work that you're doing, I mean, you're in an itch, interesting situation because, you know, I'm assuming that uh, when people are using the platform that you were, so you work for change.org, right? That's correct. And so I'm assuming that you've got these massive amount of people coming through, signing up for a petition. So you're going to have all sorts of email addresses and lots of them are not going to be business email addresses, it'll be personal email addresses. So what does that look like from your point of view, from an email marketer, making sure the message gets there compared to what we might experience as a business? Are they the same or are they different? I think they are different. And I think that uh, we have a particular challenge at Change.org, which is probably different to a lot of other people dealing with B2C. One, we're in 17 countries, which is always a challenge uh, of of itself. Um, But our users come to us for very different reasons. We're an open platform. Anyone can use our tools for free to start a petition about something that they feel is important. So we don't start petitions on our site. Our users do. And this means that we've got a really varied user base. Um, Sometimes it's right wing, sometimes it's left wing. Some people are coming because they care about um, animals. Some people are supporting human rights. People come to the site for lots of different reasons. And so for us, the biggest challenge is around targeting and making sure we get 
the right content in front, in front of the right person. And this is a yes. This is something that we we constantly work on. So what what are the the issues today? You know, I'm you know I see from my side as a user, I see what comes in my inbox and what goes into promotion and what goes into spam. You know, and then on my client side, I'm looking at deliverability to see what are we getting for deliverability. And it seems that you know it's an ongoing issue. Um, it's just not you know even with all the technology and intelligence, I don't know whether it's getting better or worse. But what do you see from your side today as the major issues for people that are trying to get an email to somebody's inbox? Sure. So the major, the major key to deliverability, the secret, is to send email that people want. Um, you've got the <laughs> mailbox providers like Gmail, like Hotmail, or Microsoft, as I have to call them now, trying to prevent spam from reaching their users. And those mailbox providers are just protecting their users from mail that their users are viewing as spam. Spam used to be messages like buy Viagra now or penny stocks, etc. But those, <laughs> right. those are the old, the good old days. We remember those well. But these days, spam is more, much more likely to be mail people don't want or are no longer interested in. So it might be a mail I signed up to last year, a newsletter, for example. But this year, it doesn't really resonate with me anymore, and I'm bored of it. So I'm happy for it to go into the spam folder because it's no longer interesting to me. So the way that those mailbox providers are judging that is really based on engagement. And the positive engagement with mail means that your messages are much more likely to go to the inbox. And if people are, are not engaging, if they're negative engagement metrics, then your mail is much more likely to go to the spam folder. And that's the way it is. <laughs> well, what's interesting is what you said, and at the you know just to break it into two pieces. One was spam used to be, you know, Viagra ads, um, lower mortgage ads, all those things that by pharmacy that were unsolicited and I didn't want. And now now the uh, ESPs, or, I mean the email service providers that we sign up to, Gmail and Hotmail, or uh, like he said, Microsoft, now determine mail that's not engaged. So in the old sense, we would have said spam is unwanted. And now we're saying this is something I signed up for, but it's not relevant. But the um, the mail providers still think it's spam because there's no engagement or like you said, negative engagement. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that mailbox providers are starting to take more and more of an active role in the mail that people are starting to see. So moving mail to the top of the inbox, for example, or choosing the tab that the mail is displayed in. So this is these are interesting challenges for for people in the email world. Well, and I love, I just saw an article this morning as I was just scanning the uh, the headlines, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the email headlines, and uh, that said, you know, why you want people to unsubscribe from your list. And I'm thinking, absolutely. You know, if we could just convince everybody who doesn't want our email just to do the whole world a favor <laughs> and just get off the list. Like, I'm not going to be offended. I'm not going to complain or cry or, uh, you know, I, I might not even notice. But, you know, if you don't want it, get off the list, improve my deliverability and reduce the amount of stuff that's coming into your inbox. So true. So true. It would make it so easy. So is there a, um, a case study or an example that you can share with our listeners of a situation that you came in and, and used your magic powers and then turn things around? So there's sort of there's two. When I first joined Change.org, we were really looking to improve our deliverability because things weren't looking so good for us. And coming from Return Path, I was in a bit of an ivory tower as to thinking everybody <laughs> knew about email and how it should work properly. And then arriving at Change and realizing, oh, really, you know, we've 
we've got, we, we, there's a lot of work to be done. And this was five years ago, and we've been doing that work ever since. But basic things like making sure that your welcome message is right can make such a massive impact to your overall deliverability. And for example, we've always sent a welcome message at Change.org. But to begin with, that welcome message came from our CEO, Ben. So you'd sign a petition, and Ben himself would email you. Well, it would come from Ben saying, thank you for signing and welcome to Change.org. And we thought this was great. But for our users, they have no idea who this man Ben is. They don't they didn't put together the fact that they were signing a petition and then getting this message from a, a stranger. And that disconnect meant that we were getting a really high complaint rate on those messages because people didn't understand why they were receiving them. Who, yeah, who's Ben? So exactly, who is this Ben and why yeah. is he bothering me? Um, so yeah. those, this sort of user-centricness is what we now use to inform most of our email program wherever we can. So what, what change did you make on that particular welcome message to, to improve that? So we really made a link between the action that you're taking and the email that you're getting because of it. So we really tied the two together. So instead of signing a petition and saying and having Ben say, welcome to change.org, maybe you'd sign a petition and then the mail you receive would say, thank you for signing that petition. Your signature has been recorded and this is what you can expect to happen next. And of course, that made much more sense to people. It helped them set ex- it helped us set expectations for what would happen in the future, and it made people feel comfortable that the action they'd taken had made a difference. And that totally makes sense. I mean, do you have any sense on kind of the numbers for businesses or you know B two C or or in your situation of organizations that send a welcome message? I looked at stats a while ago, but I haven't uh, I haven't been up to date on kind of where people are at. You know, I'm not up to date on that, but it's something I would highly recommend that people people always do. It's a really it's good it's a good user experience. It also helps you to clean your list of any addresses that fail or need to be removed from your list. Well, I always think that it sets expectations, but the which is which is always a great thing. So, you, like you said, you tell people what to expect, thank them for engaging, tell them what to expect, and if it's not what they want, give them a chance right then to say, you know what, this is not what I need, and move along. Absolutely, treat your users with respect. I think it's a is a is a good as a good um, thing for us all to remember. Well, and then you had that secret tip right at the very beginning. The, the secret to getting your email delivered is actually sending content that your that your users want to uh, receive and engage with. Absolutely, and this is this we're starting to realize more and more that we can't. Well, is we're starting to weigh whether it's whether it's worth sending email to some segments of our list or how how often we should send to it. We had a we we sort of we we've. We've definitely had a big learnings around this. We've made a few assumptions in our time, but one of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about a little was how targeting by segmentation was really hugely beneficial for us because we started treating our user base differently depending on how engaged they were with our site. So some of our super users sign every petition that we send to them. And so we should send them all the petitions that, that, that we can because they clearly want to receive <laughs> yes. them. But for some of our less engaged users, people that have come to the site um, more recently or who are just interested in one part of the campaign, then they're not interested in receiving the rest of those mails. And we need to respect them and make sure that the cadence of our mail is, is reflected in the, in the way that people use the site. 
Yeah, that that totally makes sense. Uh, we worked with a um, a large automotive company, like a like a AAA, that, you know, road assistance, and they had three quarters of a million users on their database, and we could clearly see who the engaged people mm-hmm. were. The people, if you sent them something, they would take whatever action you asked them to take, and then uh, then there was also a segment that we identified that were clearly not doing anything, and we had jokingly said at one point we should just delete them and send those to our competitors because <laughs> they're, effect, they're they're negatively affecting the business. But of course, that you know, that's always a that's a non-starter at a business meeting. Well, sure. But th- it is worth thinking about how, how we can target those users differently and how, you know, we can persuade them to become more involved in change.org. And if we can't, then we just need to let, maybe we do need to let them go gracefully. So what are some of the metrics that you guys use when you're when you're looking at uh, segmenting your list? Because I mean, I'm reading more and more and more about people saying segment, don't treat everyone the same way, which I totally agree with. It's not a blasting. It's not a blasting piece of software. It's a way to communicate. Sure. So we're looking at several key metrics on this. I mean, obviously, open rates are the standard metric that people have been using for a long time. And I think more and more we're realizing that open rates are maybe not the guiding light they were once seen as. And really, we need to be thinking about how effective email is. And that comes down to conversions rather than to, to open rates. So for us, we're, we're still interested in opens and clicks, of course. We're also interested in negative metrics like unsubscribes and, and complaints. But for us, we're really interested in people signing the petition, promoting the petition, and, and eventually becoming members of change.org because that's how we're funded. We, we, we self-fund through a membership model. So we want to take people on this ladder of engagement from signing their first petition through to becoming a member and supporting us financially. And so everything that we do within our email program is, sort of, is based around that and respecting people's where they are in the life cycle of being a user on change.org. Where do you see the kind of landscape going? Do you think we're going to continue down this the road where engagement now is key? Because I've also received some feedback, and I I, I can't validate this, so I don't I don't want to spread fake news. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I that um, you know some of the big companies like Gmail, I haven't seen anything where they have acknowledged that it is all around engagement in terms of you know opens, clicks, and replies. I mean, this is what we this is what we hear. We hear, I've, I've heard it said that open rates is, is surely a, um, a positive sign of engagement, that click rates are not monitored by the major mailbox providers. But I'm not 100% that that is the case because I, I feel that they are, <laughs> but maybe they're saying they're not. And, and yes, other p- positive forms of engagement, of course, making sure that or searching for mail in spam folders and moving it to the inbox, adding to a whitelist. There's lots of there's lots of data points within the algorithms of mailbox providers that that uh, that skew positive and negative. Yeah, well, and like I said, it's it's not a it's not that defined. But I mean, I mean, you've got your fingers in the pulse. So I figured, hey, this you know, who else could I ask that would know better than uh, than yourself? That's that's as that's as far as I know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, um, in terms of um, integration with users, I mean, this is a, a bit off the email topic, but do you do you guys have any um, other forms of communication that you utilize with you know members and people who sign up in terms of uh, social integration, mm-hmm. SMS, or do you focus primarily on email to do the heavy lifting? It's something we're really excited about, but we absolutely rely on email. It really drives our platform at the moment. But that's not to say we're not interested in other channels. I just think that they have to be treated very carefully, and I think that it it differs from globally how different channels are viewed. So I think that it seems to me SMS is much more prevalent in the US, whereas using 
SMS as a marketing tool in the UK, at least, or in Europe, would really not resonate with a lot of people. If they receive an SMS, they want it to be from their boyfriend or their mother or their, their you know, <laughs> some, someone, someone close to them, not a marketing push. But WhatsApp could be a massive channel for us. It's something that we're exploring at the moment, especially in Latin America, where everybody constantly seems to be on, on WhatsApp and it's really a much better sharing platform. So this is, we're interested in looking at how this could work best for us. I'm not sure that any of those channels will take away the heavy lifting that email does, but they will certainly provide value to our users. Say, for example, someone starts a petition on change.org, maybe they're looking for tips on how to make that petition successful. Receiving those via SMS or via WhatsApp would be a really appropriate use for us, we think. Sure. Or even, even um, like you said, even updates and alerts. Absolutely. Yeah. Things that are personally really interesting to people, I think, will find will resonate well. So can you share with our, our listeners just to give them an idea of the scope and, and, and volume of uh, users? Uh, I mean, obviously, I don't know what this is public or private information. So you'll have to tell me in terms of, you know, how many subscribers you have, how many new people sign up during a day and how many emails you send. So we just get an idea of the scope. Sure, happy to share. Um, we have 300 million users across the globe. Um, we have people have signed petitions in every country of the world, which I find a really wonderful stat. Um, and in some of the countries in Europe, for example, in the UK, uh, one in five people have signed a change.org petition. In Spain, one in four people. So we've got some real reach going on. And the thing about the platform is, is that we don't actually touch a lot of the content of our site. We can only touch around 1% of our petitions. There's so many people coming to create petitions and actually winning victories don't even need any, they don't need any help from us. They use the tools that we offer them and they, and they succeed. We have a victory every hour. And sometimes, in fact, most of the time, petitions win with less than a thousand signatures. So we hear about these big breakout campaigns that maybe are global. We've had a lot of activity around the Australian wildfires, for example. Yeah. But actually, a lot of people are using the platform to make changes in their in their in their local area that are really important to them, and that they that, that the tools enable them to do raise their voice and make a, make the change they want to see. Well, I was surprised when I was looking through your site how diverse the petitions were. I guess that was the first thing that caught me by surprise. I'm thinking. Wow. I mean, in terms of people's positions, like you said, whether it was right, left or center around, you know, the environment and around, you know, animal protection and the topics were like all over the place. So that's that's really cool. But a victory every hour. So do you guys, what do you guys do to celebrate your victory every hour? Well, we have a victory bell in our office where we celebrate our, our major victories. But it's one of the things that we love. It's one of the reasons I love coming to work is is, is knowing that that is happening and uh, engaging with some of our users that, that are seeing those kinds of victories. But what we're really looking to do moving into the next year is to help make more people successful, to help you know, increase that sort of people power, as it were. And the key to this, I believe, will be automating much more of our content. So at the moment, it's some of the emails that we send can be quite curated and we're just not putting enough people in touch with the issues that they care about. And we need to be much cleverer about how we do that. We hold quite a lot of data points based on the activity that people have uh, made on the site already, the petitions that they've already signed or what they've been interested in on the site. And we need to start using that to make sure that we get better, more relevant content in front of more people. 
our challenge, which is a great challenge to have and is so different to so many other organizations, is that we've got more content than we know what to do with. People are creating <laughs> petitions every day, yeah. and there's just no way that we can we can share all those stories, and some of them are really amazing. So we're hoping that by introducing more automation, we'll be able to get more of that content in front of uh, a, a more diverse audience, and um, that that will broaden the reach of the platform exponentially. Well, that's really, that's, that's really amazing. You're right. That's the opposite problem. Like, what are we going to do with all this content? There's way too much. We're swimming in content. Yeah, not the usual discussion we have with people, or at least uh, I don't have those discussions with people. It's like, hey, we need content. Are there countries that are more difficult to get email into? So this would be my ignorance. I'm just not sure whether the, the platforms are treated differently in different countries based on, you know, government regulations, rules, et cetera. Certainly, it's, it's a, it is a, a real challenge sending so globally. And there's some countries that we're, we're not welcoming, like China, for example, which is probably not a, a massive surprise. No, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But, but we do have to be careful about some of the countries we send to and make sure that we're culturally appropriate. Yeah. For example, in Thailand, petition starters need to be very careful about the petitions that they start to make sure that they uh, they don't cross any of the the, the, the lines that are very clearly drawn by the, the government there. Uh, Turkey is another place that is, 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 can be a big challenge. Um, and then, of course, if we're looking at um, Latin America, things can work very differently there. In Japan, we're fighting this sort of people that culturally are not used to putting a name on a petition, standing up and being counted. It sort of it goes anti the way that the culture has been there for a long time. So we're slowly building up momentum there, but it's a but it's certainly a different environment to be to, to be in, and we have to be really careful to be respectful of that and to be aware of those issues. Well, and in the UK, you know, years ago as the GDPR came along and, and, and started putting in, you know, stricter guidelines on uh, permissions and contact, we've definitely seen a, a change in the appetite there. We had the same, uh, the same thing happen in, in Canada when they finally came out with, um, you know, with Castle. Uh, you know, we saw a whole bunch of mailers just say, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore in Canada. It's just not worth it. So do you have any sense on, you know, based on your years experience, um, looking into the crystal ball, what, what we could expect to see? Are we going to see the world moving towards a GDPR type model? I, I know that there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of activity in the States now on a state by state level and lots more countries starting to implement these types of guidelines. I sometimes wonder whether we're shutting the door after the horse has bolted because <laughs> there's so much data is, is, has, is freely given and is out there. Is you know, is, is, is it, actually worthwhile. But no, I think that there, we, we are going to see more, more regulation. But the thing that makes our industry so exciting is that it's always led by the spammers who uh, always seem to be one step ahead. So um, it's a very hard. It's very hard to regulate. And yeah. it's a bit of a, a game of whack-a-mole when you close one avenue down, people always find another avenue to use the platform to make money. So Hopefully. Well, and I'm always amazed by their innovation. I mean, um, the people that are on the wrong side of the fence, uh, I, I don't know how they have the time, but they certainly are, are ingenious in finding ways around the, uh, the what's currently the standard. They really are. I find it fascinating the different ways they will find to try and abuse the, the, the change to all platform. And you think that we're just, we're trying to do a reasonably good thing in the world, but there's, but we, as, and I find this with a lot of maybe 
several charities that I've worked with previously, is we think that we're doing something good. So the ordinary rules don't apply to us, but they absolutely do. As, as far as spammers are concerned and as far as mailbox providers are concerned, we need to make sure that we're not vulnerable to attack. We need to make sure that we're still following all the best practices if we want to get our mail delivered. That is surely true. Well, I heard one, I guess one of the most shocking examples I heard of attack was a large, a large, well-known retail store in uh, New York that every year there's a Christmas parade uh, that's shown in front of the store. And uh, I guess uh, somebody had attacked their, their email by sending bots to sign up with bad email addresses, which basically shut down their email because their ESP <laughs> dinged them for, for deliverability. And right before Christmas, uh, several years ago, their email went offline. So, you know, there's a, just a malicious attack for some reason, you know, like more than likely from a competitor, but, um, you know, not, not any um, thing that they had done, but they weren't protected to your point. It can be so impactful. I mean, we're constantly, I feel constantly the sharks are circling and we're constantly sort of buttoning up our uh, security vulnerabilities. I think that we're, we, we do a, a pretty good job of it. I did hear recently that one of the sites taking donations for the Australian Wildlife uh, Fund was hacked and and spammers uh, stole donations from that site. I thought that was pretty low. But, you know, this is, you you can't get get too much lower. (laughs) No. Yeah, no, I yeah, yeah, I know. I don't want. I don't want to comment. That's, that's just drives me crazy. It's like we should hunt those people down, but that, I, that we're not we're <laughs> supposed to do. We're not supposed to do that. There's there's other people who can do that for us. So one of the things that you mentioned early on, I thought was quite interesting, and I just wanted you to share just a little bit on was you said that uh, Change.org lends you out to other organizations and not for profits to help them. So do you just want to just you know give them a bit of a shout out and tell us what that what that looks like for you and for the organizations that you help? Sure. So it's more of a, it's a very much a, a friendly uh, agreement. If if other more charitable organisations run into deliverability problems, they they often reach out and say, "We're seeing this. Can you help?" And we can have a, a chat about what we can do to to turn things around. Change is very generous in that way because we, you know, we want we want everyone to to be successful and believe in the the mission for, of other organisations similar to us. Um, and it's it's also interesting for me to see what problems other people are, are running into and you know it's, it's not that changed at all the perfect in any way we have our struggles every day as everybody does um sharing some of those those issues can actually help us all be uh, more successful sometimes especially if we're seeing similar things across the industry so i'm, I'm a believer in collaboration and information sharing as much as we can in, in this gdpr world but I, but I think yes collaborating makes us makes us all stronger well, and the other side is, I mean, you are, I think, in a, from my view, anyhow, in a very fortunate situation, so you have a lot of data. So if you're dealing with smaller organizations that might have lists that are south of, you know, 100,000 names, some of them might only have 5,000 people. But if they can't get the email delivered, they can't be effective in donations and communications and all the things they need to do. But you've got enough data and enough experience to be able to take a, a, a look at it and, um, you know, help them out. That's 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 often the case, and most deliverability issues that I come across come down to data quality or frequency or yeah, but data quality is usually the Achilles heel. People have got very old databases. They <laughs> think that having a yeah. volume of of recipients is you know is a is a is a metric they should care about. I see that very much as a vanity metric. And if you've got a half a database of dead users, then 
then you're not going to get any joy out of the half that actually do want to engage with you. So it's better just to be to, to let them go gracefully and uh, and concentrate on the people that really do want to receive your mail. Well, I've often recommended to clients to take those people out of the primary database, um, use a separate ESP to see if we can do a win back campaign. Mm, I love a win back campaign. But but get them out of your main database because they're affecting your deliverability. So, like yeah, you said. It's a vanity metric. I think that's the discussion. And I'm you know, going to just be um, stereotype a bit. This is the thing that the guys were sitting down at, having a beer at the pub and talking about, oh, my database is this big. It's like, yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's great. But, you know, uh, you're getting at like a 5% open rate. Huh? I, I think you're, I think you're absolutely How's that working? right. And, <laughs> so. um, and, that, and this, yes, this idea that you, that, I mean, this is sort of where it's because email is so successful that when we want to make money or we want to boost revenue, you know, it's like send email because we know that that works, but it doesn't work all the time to everybody. And I know that there's always a discussion about whether you should remove people entirely from your database. And I think that changes from organization to organization, or maybe you should just mail them less frequently. So, you know, you're still keeping them in the loop, but you're taking them out of your, your day-to-day email cadence. Um, and I think that's different for, for, yes, as I say, for every company, every organization, you have to test and find really what works for you. So, Alice, what are you most excited about as it relates to email marketing and the work that you're doing in deliverability and your business in the next six to 12 months? So what I am most excited about is the automation that I mentioned, because this is, I think, it's going to be a game changer for us. We're, we're testing out automation based on the call at the moment, but there's so much opportunity for us to, to reach out to people in different ways. That this is uh, this is the thing that I'm I'm most excited to do. We've got such as I've mentioned, a, such a huge amount of content on our site. How can we share it better? And how can we put our users in touch with the issues that they care about? We want our petition starters to be successful, and email is really the key to that at the moment. Although we're excited about other channels, email is is the driver. And I think the automation of that email and the and the content relevancy that email in, um, can enable for us is just is so exciting. So what, what advice would you give our listeners that, you know, maybe haven't looked at their email deliverability or realize they have a problem? Where would you tell them to start? Now, obviously, good content is, is, is a great, is great advice. But if they have a deliverability problem, is that enough to turn that around? So good content is always excellent. You want, you want to be giving value to your users. Otherwise, what's the point of sending the email? But um, list health is probably the key thing to making sure that you're going to, to reach the inbox. Making sure that, one, you've got permission, of course, and that people are expecting to receive messages from you. And then making sure that you, I think that this, this segmentation by engagement was, was a real game changer for us. We sent actually less email, but we increased opens, we increased clicks, we halved our unsubscribes, and we had 30% more signatures on our petitions. And that's why sending less email, but sending more to more engaged users and less to less engaged. Sending less to less engaged actually meant we got more from those disengaged users because they didn't feel overwhelmed by our mail and were much more and felt more comfortable engaging with us. So that would be. Well, that's an interesting approach. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. The, now I had leveraged with, we had a client with a deliverability issue. And one of the things we did was, was like exactly what you said, we segmented by engagement and then we intentionally went out, you know, by email box uh, user at a time. So we do all the Gmail guys who opened up the last five emails 
And we found by putting them at the beginning of the campaign that, and then sending to the less engaged. So we actually, you know, we sent in waves, if you will, but started with the most engaged. It actually helped over time, helped deliverability come back up to a level that was acceptable. Absolutely. Building that reputation. Yeah. Gmail is so, it's so, it puts so much emphasis on engagement that if you're ever having de- if, um, deliverability issues at Gmail, sending to your most engaged users is the quickest way to fix it. And I've seen some IPs that have been terribly used in the past, but I've never found one that couldn't be fixed through sending to best engaged users for, for some time. So yeah, there you go, listeners. There's hope. There's hope regardless of what your deliverability looks like to, <laughs> to, come, to, come, to come back. And now in terms of the work that you guys are that, that you're doing right now and the, your experience in the business, what's some of the bad advice that you hear around uh, email deliverability? I mean, you, you, you know, I know you, I just see you're registered for a conference in the UK that's an email and you're obviously in this space and you probably uh, have a lot of conversations. So what's the bad advice that we shouldn't listen to? Bad advice you shouldn't listen to is keeping all of your keeping all your addresses on your list forever because they might buy something from you at some point. <laughs> some point I, think, yeah. I think I think that's terrible advice. I I'm not averse to keeping them, but just don't email them and don't email or don't email email them too often. The other advice is uh, you can send too much email. But on the other hand, there is a thing of not sending enough email and it's finding that balance that's right for your users that is the key to everything. It's, it's difficult in deliverability because often never you can never say solely, this is the truth. It's always, this is the truth, but, or in some cases, this is the truth. Or, <laughs> right. So it's, it's very hard to have absolutes. Well, it comes back to a word that I love to use and that's test. Absolutely. Testing is our watchwords. Test it, test everything and then test it again. Yeah, absolutely. So two questions. I'll let you uh, get back to your your day. Uh, One is who's one guest that I absolutely have to have on my podcast? I actually have two guests. I would love for you to have Laura Atkins on your podcast if you haven't already. And the other person I can never hear enough from is Guy Hansen um, of Return Path Now Validity, I believe. Laura Atkins, of course, is from Word to the Wise and does an amazing blog. But Guy is also somebody that really illustrates the, the excellence of email using data in really interesting ways. Those are two people I'd love to hear from. Well, Fabius, would you make an introduction to us uh, for us, please? Of course. Now, the most important thing, if people want to learn more about uh, you and what you do and what change.org does, uh, how, can they, uh, how can they find you? I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter, Alice Cornell, um, if you don't already have my email address. So uh, please reach out. I always love to speak about email. One of the things that I uh, miss about working at somewhere like Return Path or an ESP is that there's nobody else that wants to talk about email as much as I do <laughs> where I am. So I'm very grateful for you, to Doug, for having me to talk about email today. Well, you can ring me anytime you're feeling email lonely <laughs> and you just want to have a conversation. I'm happy to have the conversation with you. Fantastic. I may well take you off on that. <laughs> okay. Sounds good. Well, there you go, listeners. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Um, I mean, email is no good if you can't get it delivered. And even if you get it delivered, if you can't get it open. So it's a process. Um, so taking Alice's advice in terms of make sure you're adding value to your subscribers every time you mail to them from their point of view will dramatically improve your deliverability and help you with your business and your business case. So there's no magic hacks. So software technology is really starts with thinking of your listeners. So I want to say thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening to this episode. And we look forward to serving you on our next episode. That's all for this episode of Real Marketing Real Fast. Now it's time to take your marketing to the next level by visiting DougMorneau.com. 
and downloading our advanced marketing white papers, as well as exclusive resources based on today's episode. That's DougMorneau.com. Until next time, we look forward to serving you right here on Real Marketing Real Fast.